0: One of the things that we can do when we come to church with our brothers and sisters in Christ is to uh, confess, confess of some of the things that we've uh, struggled with over the last week or what's going on in our life. And I guess I have a confession to make. I shot a cop this week. Now, don't worry. He was a bad cop. He had a lot of heroin. And he was probably going to sell it to the children in the neighborhood. Right now, y'all are thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Chris knows. I'm part of this thing called Kappa. It's Clergy and Police Alliance. And one of the things that I do on Tuesday nights, I'm going through this program, and I'm learning about all the scenarios that our police officers in Kilgore go through for training. And this past Tuesday, right after, uh, in the middle, I guess, of the... Of the Kilgore Night Out, I went over and this was a uh, tactical training and how we would go and we would, we would, uh, we, I was supposed to be the police officer and walk up to a car that I knew had heroin in it. I got this whisper alert. And so I was supposed to handle the situation and I've watched a lot of TV I grew up watching cops, and so I knew as I walked up to the car, I put my hand on the back of the uh, rear. I don't know why they do that, but I did it. I go in there, and I look, and the guy that was, he was a police officer, but he was uh, playing the bad guy, the drug dealer, he has a pistol right on his lap. And so I go, and I grab my firearm, which was a it's a simulated uh pistol it it looks and and feels and basically is the same as a regular pistol except it shoots these paintball kind of kind of things and i look at him and i draw that quickly and i say put your hands in the air he says i have a license i can have this i said put your hands in the air and i go in there and i'm going to do everything right and i have my pistol showing on him and i open the door And I go to grab his firearm. And what does he do? He grabs my pistol and he starts pulling. And this is the head of the Kilgore's uh, SWAT team. He's a big dude. And then he gets out of the car. And I don't know how realistic he wants to do this. So um, (laughs) he's going to beat me up. And I realize I have no choice, but I shot him twice in the stomach. And I think I shot with this hand over into the crowd of people. I don't know what happened. And I walked away, and then as I walked away, the sergeant looks at me and says, Did you shoot him with his own gun? I said, I don't know what I shot. <laughs> One of the reasons they show us this is they, they say, You never know what's going to happen in, in a traffic stop. And, and 40 times in a row, you're going to have a traffic stop, and everything's going to go just fine. But you never know. You see, plans change, and plans can change quickly and i had no i had all the plans of just going there and, and, and handling the situation i knew it was going to be tough but i thought i was going to be able to do everything right but plans changed when he grabbed the pistol i i wasn't expecting that at all and that's what they wanted us to know is uh, sometimes plans change so fast that they got to be ready for when plans change and sometimes they don't even know what to do one of the things he told us is sometimes when people get out of the car, they're not supposed to get out of the car. So they're nervous and they say, don't get out of the car. And then the guy goes back into the car. Then they're worried. Well, maybe they're going to go back in the car and get a gun. So they said, don't go back in the car. And the people say, well, what am I supposed to do? And the, the officer said, well, I don't know. <laughs> plans change. And we know that in life. In our life, plans change. And what James wants us to do is as we go in, we're going through this series on building a mature faith. He wants us to be better planners. If we're going to have a mature faith in Jesus Christ, if we're going to have a mature faith in our Christianity. We need to be better planners. And so he starts in James. This is where we're going to be today. James chapter four. And in James chapter four, verse 13, he says, now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, now listen. And one of the things that James is doing there is is uh, it, when he says that he's he's trying to bring a lot of attention. To this, because what's happening is. Is. These Christians are struggling, living like the world lives. And so he says, now listen. And whenever I think about a preacher saying, now listen like that, I think about Mary's old preacher, Brother Miller. And he used to have this pointer. And he'd stand behind the pulpit. And sometimes when he wanted a big point for the congregation to hear, y'all remember this? And he'd tap that on the, the the the. the he said, listen up! <laughs> and tap it on the pulpit. Maybe I need to get a pointer sometimes, I don't know. He says, now listen. What it seems like is he's kind of having a little bit of a rebuke. Like a parent would rebuke his children. Because what they're doing is they're making all these plans. And he wants them to know all the plans that you're making. You don't even know what tomorrow will be you don't even know what tomorrow is. And so he's he's trying to let them understand that they they're, they're so self-confident in their plans in this world and they don't even know what tomorrow holds. And his he's not upset with them because they're planning to make a profit. This isn't a a passage that, that's trying to say that capitalism is 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 a horrible thing. He's not talking about that. He's not trying to talk to high school seniors right now saying, well, you shouldn't make a plan of what you want to do with the rest of your life. You shouldn't make a plan of what school you want to go to. He's not talking about that. He's making sure they understand where is God in their plans. So much of this plan is, is all self confidence what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, how long I'm going to stay, and what I'll all accomplish. And we want to remember who the audience is that he's speaking to. James chapter 1 verse 1 says, James, a servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. The original audience that James is writing to, though I like how he says this is just the 12 tribes scattered among the nations so it really can be us today and it was them at that time but specifically at that time he's talking to a Jewish audience. And if we understand the stereotype that a Jewish audience would would would, would have and and the reasoning behind the stereotype was the Jewish people would go to other towns. This is pretty common. And they would set up shops. Now the stereotype uh, has, been, has been made uh, pretty negative over times. But there's historical accuracy in some of this. Now I ha- come from Jewish heritage. Uh, not Not a lot, but I do have some Jewish heritage in me. And, well, if you talk to these people that trapped me in a camper in Times Square in New York this past week, they told me that I was full Jewish, but we'll talk about that another day. Say, what? It's a good story. One day I'll tell you. But my family comes from Portugal, some of my family, uh, my Jewish heritage comes from from Portugal. And what they were, they were chocolate makers over in Portugal, and that's what their business was. And during the Portuguese Inquisition, they pushed the Jewish people, part of my family, out of Portugal. And they moved them to Switzerland. And my family became Swiss chocolate makers. How about that? I don't know where all the chocolate went. I'm sad but somehow that somehow that got lost in the family line. But that's what would happen a lot of times. Jewish people would go and they would set up shops and they would do things. And they were very lucrative in their business. And that's where the stereotype Kind of formed. It was a good thing in a lot of ways. A lot of ways it's good to go out and make money and do well for yourself. But what was missing? They did so well for themselves, they did not see a need for God in their life. They were going to be successful. Why would they need a savior if they could do it all on their own? Why would they need the help of a man who's just a poor carpenter in Nazareth? Why would they need a savior? And the Christians, the Jewish Christians were going and doing the same thing and they weren't considering God in their plans. And this is where James is saying, listen up. You think you're going to go do this and that and this and that. You're going to make all this money, but you don't even know what tomorrow holds. In verse 14, he says, Well, you don't even know what tomorrow holds. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I think about all the folks over in the Ukraine this past spring. Just the normal folks that are just living their life. They're not in politics. They're not, they're not doing anything uh, of, uh, of trying to do all this political stuff. They're trying to live their life. Do you think when the calendar turned to 2022, they thought they would lose everything? Everything? These normal folks probably didn't think that. And yet we don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea. We can be here for one minute and gone the next. So many of us have experienced that in our life, our loved ones that were here and gone. And you think about this life is a mist. Where did all the time go? Well, James is pulling from Proverbs chapter 27, where he says, don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what that day will bring. All through scripture, it's been telling us we just don't know what tomorrow holds. And so if we don't know what tomorrow holds, why are we living this life For 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. Jesus talks about some of the same things about people that live their life, not considering God. But about everything of their future. And he tells us a parable. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he says. There was a ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest he thought to himself what shall i do i have no place to store my crops then he says this is what i'll do i'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and then i will store my surplus grain and i'll say to myself you've have plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry but god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how this is how it will be, for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This parable of the rich man that sees how uh, how he's been blessed, but he doesn't honor the one that's blessed him. He thinks about how can this just give me more and more, and so he stores up this stuff for a beautiful retirement, and then in a mist he's gone our plans can change so quickly they can change in a blink of an eye uh, time on this world seems to be spinning faster and faster the older the older i get i turned 46 a week and a half ago 46 and so i thought okay now i've hit the i'm, I'm, I'm moving towards the late 40s Surely I I, I am now, I'm now moving to middle age, right? Or I guess I thought I was middle age. Then I I decided to look this, I shouldn't have done this. I decided to look at what the social security administration, their actuarial charts say of how long I'm going to live. And I'm thinking I'm probably hit, I'm, I'm coming close to halfway. The government thinks I've got 33 years left in me. I hit halfway a long time ago and I didn't even know it. Maybe the government's wrong, right? Hopefully they're wrong about a lot of stuff. So hopefully they're wrong about that. I don't know. They say I've got 33 more years left. I don't know what tomorrow holds. When we first came to Chandler Street, Dane wasn't even one one year old. Sydney didn't exist. And now they're both in high school. In a blink of an eye. This world is moving faster and faster and faster. This life is a mist. We're here. We're gone. So what does that mean? Since it's going to go so fast, should we have no plans? Should we just live, put our hands up in the air? Have nothing? That's not what James is saying. James wants us to have better plans. He wants us to use the time that we have on this earth wisely. And so he says in verse 15, instead, you ought to say, If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. What James wants us to understand is we are going to have plans in this world and it's okay to have plans in this world, but don't make plans without God in them. Make sure the plans that you make include the Lord's will in your plans. Not just your own selfish desires, but what the Lord has for you. Jesus would uh, talk about this. About God's will in his life, even though he came from heaven, even though he was God. And there's the, the confusing parts of God, the father, God, the son. But Jesus, as a human, was willing to submit to God's will. Even when it was hard, because he understood the impact he could make on eternity not just the present time. Think about when Jesus is teaching us to pray, and as He's teaching us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, it says in Matthew sixteen or six ten, "Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." When He taught us to pray, He taught us to pray in a way that everything we do in this world should bring the impact of God's kingdom into our lives here and now. The God's will will be done here on earth just as it was in heaven. The God's will will be done in our lives today just as it is in heaven. And when God's will is working in our life, think of what that means for our life. Think of what that will look like. God's will in our life means that instead of spending time doing who knows what by ourselves, we spend more godly time with our family. We build those relationships up and we teach our family about the love of God and we ensure that we've done everything we could that our children will have an eternal impact. They'll have the eternal kingdom of God in their life. That they will be able to live well past this mist that we're in. Think about when we bring God's kingdom down to this earth. In our lives. We do things for our friends, our family, our neighbors. Last week, uh, last Tuesday was an incredible night. We 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 got to use the pavilion for the first time. We got to use all of our new picnic tables. I think they had we had about 75 people uh, uh, around that in, in there and it was just wonderful. We believe the Lord's will for this church is to reach and teach our neighbors. And it's not just about planning little parties but we have eternal plans that can, uh, that can impact their lives eternally. And then it's up to all of us to bring those plans in our life to hopefully meet our neighbors and form relationships with our neighbors and teach our neighbors about the love of Jesus Christ. Is this easy? No. This means we've got to adjust our plans sometimes, the nights that aren't always convenient. Maybe we adjust those plans so we can allow God's will to work in our life. It wasn't always easy for Jesus. Matter of fact, most of his times weren't easy. He didn't take a whole lot of time for himself. He did spend time with with God. He did draw away when he needed to. But look at the end of Jesus's life. As he's awaiting the cross and, and every human desire of not wanting to have to go through the pain, the agony, he asks God, Is there a different way? Is there another way? Can, can, can we have another plan? Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 42. He says, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to pass, For this cup to be taken away unless I drink it. May your will be done. Putting God's will in our life sometimes. Means we have sacrifice. And that's what Jesus came to this earth. He left every all the riches of heaven and he came to this earth. To follow the father's will. To sacrifice himself for us. And so our question is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to make those sacrifices? Maybe little sacrifices of time, maybe sacrifices of of some of our resources, maybe just little sacrifices because we understand that is the God's will for our lives. James 4 verse 16 says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. We know God's will, but we are proud of what we've done, what we can accomplish, what we can do for ourselves. I struggle with this. I struggle to, to understand that the, 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 everything that's been given to me is a blessing from God. It didn't come from my own hands. I put more confidence in what I've done instead of seeing that God has blessed me so much. Maybe we believe in ourselves because we serve a God that we can't see physically. So we think, well, really, is he doing anything for me if I can't see him? And yet, what else can we not see? We can't see the future. We can't see Tomorrow. We can't see what our life is going to be like, even if we have it 10 years down the road. We can't see that. So we put a lot of confidence in things that we can't see. Might as well put confidence in the God that created it all. So where is God in your life? Do you include his will in your life? And what does that look like to include God's will in your life? Jesus says there's going to be a day of judgment where we stand before our Lord. In Matthew 25, verse 41, he explains a little bit of how we should have lived our lives. It says, then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty. you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you refuse to help me. What does it mean to have God's plan in your life that bring god's will into your plans means we need to live a life with our eyes open we need to live this life being willing to change our plans a little bit change our schedule a little bit to help those in need to adjust our schedule for something so much more important something that won't just affect our temporary lives but will affect the eternity, the eternity of our life. And maybe those around us. So your eyes open to the needs around you. Are you willing to sacrifice some of your plans? To bring God's will into your plans. God's will into your life. Are you willing to adjust your plans for his church? To be a worker in his church. Or does that not fit in your plans? We often know what to do and all of us probably are guilty of putting our will above God's. I know I am. But in verse 17 he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. The Spirit speaks to us and we know we should be following the will of God. We understand what His plans are. We know when we should help. And too often we choose our own way. Not because we're just think, well, this is safer. This is better. We choose it because we just want to fulfill Our selfish desires. These words are not easy. These words are hard. That's why it's sacrifice. These are things that we all are going to struggle with. But are you willing to put his will in your plans? One of of his wills is that you be baptized into him. That you give your life to him. That you, you die to yourself and you're raised with him. That's putting God's will in your life. And through that, we receive the grace of Jesus Christ and we walk with him for eternity. So if you haven't followed that will, I would encourage you to do that today. And maybe a talk like this, and and he's pretty sharp when he says, listen to this. Maybe that makes you a little anxious in your heart, wondering, am I doing the will of God? Because I'm messing up and and hopefully we we, we don't want to stay in that anxious state. Just worried about our eternity, because that's what he does. He offers us grace. He knows we're not going to be perfect, but I think he does want a little bit of that anxiousness in us. Because that's when I think our heart is in the right place. But we just got to listen to where our hearts telling us, all right, we need to. We need to do a little bit better of using God's will in our life and not our own. And let's follow through with that. Let's put his will in our life. Let's open our eyes to see those in need. Let's be workers for his church. If there's anything we can do to help you out. If you want to make him your Lord and Savior today by being baptized in him, we can do that today. Whatever your need, please come while we stand and sing.